it's your boy, and welcome to episode 49 of the podcast. This is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, everywhere you find good podcasts. Take a minute, if you're already a fan of the show and you're already subscribed, take a minute to rate and review us. Give us five stars, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why other people would like it also. And uh, think of one person in your life who you think would like the show, and send them your favorite episode. Let's see if we can't grow the audience, because... Babies, we are one episode away from 50. Tomorrow, how do I say it? Not tomorrow, but next week, whatever the fuck. That'll be our 50th episode, and that is halfway to 100. And I told you when we started this podcast, we were going to do at least 100 episodes. And for the next episode, we will be halfway there. So, man, good stuff. Uh, So much to get to for this episode. Um... Although, I'm wondering if it's going to be like therapy, which is anytime I walk into therapy and I think I have a thousand things to talk about, after the first 15 or 20 minutes, it's like I'm out of things to say. And the times I sit down where I think I have nothing to talk about, those are the times where I literally talk wall to wall. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, I think the first thing I should fill you in on is last week I was feeling pretty bummed because I applied for this job at work that I did not get. And uh, I was halfway through my first week of vacation. Well, tomorrow I start school. So my two-week vacation is over. Uh, I start school tomorrow. It'll be back to the grind. Uh, But there are some updates. I did not get the job that I originally applied for, but I was able to roll my application over to some other areas and uh, didn't get the job I originally set out for, but I did get a um, promotion of sorts, I guess, or at least when I return to work, I will be able to dedicate uh, at least half my time to some new, uh, to some new um, responsibilities, which will be, uh, which it's a plus for me. So uh, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. And I think this will actually be probably better for me in the long run as I go to school. Uh, It'll be a little bit less pressure, but it'll also uh, give me a chance to focus on other things. So all good. So the first week of the break was pretty difficult. Uh, I was dealing with some disappointment and um, it didn't really feel like much of a vacation, honestly. I was feeling pretty pretty down in the dumps. But uh, lo and behold, a new week has come to pass and things are pretty good. Uh, interviewed for this little position on Wednesday and heard later that night that I got the job. So that's phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I'll be starting that next week. So Um, I was called in to do some work, even on my vacation. I had to do some interviews for some other folks, which was fun though. And today I actually facilitated some training. So, uh, did some work on my vacation, but that's okay. They'll pay me for it. And otherwise the thing that's at the front of my mind, this kind of crazy wildfire stuff that's going on here in California, um, you know, my girlfriend and I went for another long walk. We walked about eight miles yesterday. And this morning I woke up and I really, I felt it all day. My throat has just been completely cached. And when you go around the Bay Area here, the air quality is just fucking abysmal. Um, I, uh, I took my girlfriend to the laundromat this morning, did some laundry, did some grocery shopping. And we step out of the grocery store and you just look into the distance and it's just awful. There's just nothing but smoke in the air, and everywhere you go, it smells like a campfire. And um, even now, just talking, I really feel like my throat is just cached. I got a big glass of water here, and man, it's just been really challenging. Um, The craziest thing, you know, my girlfriend's been going stir-crazy with the whole shelter in place, and she's much more of a traveler slash um, 
uh, adventuresome spirit than I am. But she told me, she goes, we got to go camping or do something. And so I said, okay. So uh, on Monday, uh, we went camping. We went to Big Basin, which is probably the oldest state park in the, in the state. And we had a little campsite there. And when you get to Big Basin, you have to drive through a town called Boulder Creek, and once we get in Boulder Creek, it's hot as fuck. I remember telling, actually, I remember telling you guys about this now. I was saying it's been hot as fuck in the Bay Area for the last couple of weeks, and I was not looking forward to having a hot camping trip. Um, when we get to Boulder Creek, it's probably like 97 degrees. It's very, uh, it's very uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to get up to our campsite, and it's just going to be an uncomfortable camping trip. But we pull out of Boulder Creek, and uh, as soon as we start driving up to up into the mountains... There's this haze everywhere, and I rolled down my window, and I smell smoke, and I was like, what is going on? Is somebody burning leaves or whatever? And my girlfriend goes, actually, I was just reading today that there's some fires down in Salinas, and Salinas is, um, it actually might be its own county, but it's like Central Coast area near Monterey, um, just south of Santa Cruz, which was uh, south of where we were. And I said, oh, yeah, it must be that Salinas fire. And the campground that we were staying at in Big Basin was, uh, you know, when you try to book your campsite online, I could see that the entire place was supposed to be booked. And we get up there a little bit early, but I was still anticipating seeing a bunch of people. And there was, like, nobody there. And we pull into our parking space. And it's right in front of this other group's campsite. So it's like this Korean family. And I say, uh, you know, I sort of hello them. I say, excuse me, sorry, I don't mean to bother you, but this smoke, uh, what, what's going on? Is this the fire from Salinas? And they're saying, yeah, there's also some lightning fires in the area. And I went, oh, okay. And they say, yeah, they're not letting anyone burn a campfire. And I was like, are you shitting me? That, that was like a deal breaker for us because we had to like cook our dinner and we don't have the camping stove. We would have to cook over the fire. So I'm not feeling very optimistic all of a sudden. I already feel a little nauseous because of the smoke scent. And then I'm thinking, if we can't have a campfire, well, we can't cook dinner. So I don't know. I, I'm assuming at this point we're going to pack it in and probably make the drive back to the to the bay. But I end up driving down to one of the camp headquarters, and um, they have like what they call it, like a camp host. They have some person who lives in an RV who's basically a, a point of contact for the park. And um, I speak with the lady there, and she says, "Oh yeah, you can have a campfire. We'll let you know if things change." And I was like, "All right." So we sort of uh, scoot back up to the campsite and me and my girlfriend kind of check in with each other and decide, you know what, we're going to go for our hike, which we had planned, and we're just going to kind of play it by ear. We're going to see how we feel. If we go on our hike and we're really uncomfortable and the smoke's really getting to us, we can always just kind of, you know, maybe eat something when we get back down here and then pack it in. Um, Go for our hike. It was a little challenging at some points, but otherwise it, it really wasn't that bad. Um... And uh, at one point, we actually, at one point, you have to literally step off the trail and cross this parking lot near the headquarters. And we had trouble finding, uh, finding the, uh, finding the trail again. And uh, I'm only bringing this up because it comes up again later. But outside of the headquarters, there's this cross section of a tree that's been in the park for who knows how long. It's like thousands of years old, right? And at every tree ring, it has like a different pin, and it puts some like a meaningful event in history. It's like, oh, this is when Columbus founded America, or this is when Charlemagne ruled, or this is when that happened, or whatever. And so you sort of look at this tree ring and think, holy shit, this thing's been around since like time immemorial, pretty much. And we finally get back on the trail, whatever, hike back, and we're feeling pretty good. And so I think at that point we decide, you know what, we're just gonna we're gonna rough it out. We're gonna camp it. 
And I've mentioned this with COVID. You know this about me. I'm not really a catastrophizer. You know, I sort of assume that things are going to be okay despite other people freaking out. But I got to be honest with you. I mean, here we are in the middle of the woods. There's smoke everywhere. You literally smell the fire. And I was just sort of thinking, you know, we don't have any cell phone service. So I'm thinking if things escalate, if some kind of warning gets sent out, um, we're not going to be able to check out check the internet, right? We're really not able to track the fire as it is. And, and, and here this family was telling us that there's actually fires in the area. This is not just smoke from the Salinas fire, um, you know, over 100 miles away. There are actually some fires in the area. And so I was thinking, man, if this really escalates, if the fire comes over the hill... Uh, one fire moves faster than people think. So it's not like we're going to be able to like, uh, see the fire and kind of get out safely. Um, also you'd think if you were in a park, you know, the staff would know that there are people at the campsite. So if there was an evacuation, somebody would kind of do the rounds, but you're also thinking in an emergency situation, if people really do have to flee for their lives, can I really count on a park ranger to kind of do their due diligence and kind of come by the site? And, um, so I got to be honest, I was feeling a little unsafe. I, I was feeling like, I don't know, man, this feels a little hairy, if I'm going to be honest. But we rough it out. We, uh, we set up camp, we make a fire, we cook our dinner. And by the way, we, uh, we cooked one of the best dinners we've ever made in our lives. We brought some frozen shrimp, we had some corn on the cob, which we had quartered, and had some zucchini, which we had chopped up. And, um, you know, you just pack it into tinfoil and put it on the fire. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the thrill of cooking something this delicious outdoors. And it was also, it was just so simple, but it was really, it was one of the best dinners we've ever made. And uh, got a good fire going, made some s'mores. And, um, you know, you always kind of have a rough night's sleep when you're camping. You know, you sleep well enough, I guess, but you're kind of up at intervals because there's noises in the woods or whatever. But it was a really good, uh, it was a really, it, we had a really fun time. And especially that those hours where, you know, after dinner, you're just sort of sitting there and you're just kind of watching the fire in silence and you're just kind of enjoying the woods. It was just, it was really nice. And uh, we've already actually booked another campsite somewhere else. But, you know, we wake up at like nine o'clock the next morning, pack things up. We're probably out of there by 1030. So we leave Big Basin at 1030. We drive back through Boulder Creek. We hit this, uh, we hit the highway back and, uh, my girlfriend had a meeting or whatever. So she had to be, uh, she had to be, uh, back at work ostensibly. Uh, this was Tuesday by Tuesday night, Boulder Creek and the entire park was evacuated. And we were seeing news reports that traffic was just at a standstill of people trying to get out of the area because I don't know if it's like route 236 or route nine or whatever it is, but when you're trying to get out of Boulder Creek, you just hit this super circuitous one-lane highway. It's kind of like driving on Route 1 up the California coast, if you've ever done that, where it's just, you know, you're take, you have to take some turns at like 5 to 10 miles an hour because they're one lane. There's a cliff on one side of you, and there's just, uh, you, you just really have to go slow. And so you really have who knows how many thousands of people trying to vacate the area on this road, and traffic was just at a standstill. So, and we're thinking, holy shit, man, we just missed that. By the next day, the entire Big Basin, we were seeing headlines that Big Basin is ostensibly gone. You know, I'm seeing photos of the headquarters that we were sort of hiking around when we lost the trail where we saw this huge cross-section of the tree is burned down completely. I'm, I'm seeing a photo of the building where it's just the chimney. It's just the fireplace and the chimney where the entire log cabin building used to be. And uh, the entire campsite where we were at is gone. 
And I'm just thinking, holy goddamn. I mean, it's not like we narrowly escaped disaster, but it's just like, it's just one of those things where you, I, I just feel like me and my girlfriend never camp, and here we were asleep, we, we, you know, ostensibly the last, we were there the last night that anybody camped at that site, we were there. And uh, yeah, it's just unbelievable to think that it's gone now. I mean, my neighbors even get the uh, the New York Times, and the air quality has been so bad that they took off for a long weekend. But I got their copy of the New York Times that was left here, and it's on the front page of the New York uh, of the New York Times. The the wildfires here in California, man, it's really insane. It's just one of those things where you know, with everything that's going on, whether it's the pandemic or the fires, it just it really feels apocalyptic. You know what I mean, man. It's also weird just to be thinking that at a time like this where things are just going super shitty for people. I mean, people are already dealing with COVID. I couldn't even imagine, uh, you know, I have friends who, you know, have places in the Santa Cruz Mountains, uh, people who live in and around Boulder Creek, and you just think, God, it's so tragic for people who just have to, like, flee. You know, it's the type of thing that you never think will happen to you, and and then it does. And, um, yeah, it's very tragic. Yeah. Yep. Well, here I am at the end of that story, and uh, we're barely 15 minutes into the podcast, and I'm thinking, well, I thought that was going to occupy a lot more time, and now I have no idea what to talk about. Well, and that's disappointing to me also, because I remember feeling at the end of the last episode, I felt like the last episode was a little bit of a chore, and uh, usually when an episode's a chore, I can usually look forward to the next one being really, really, really good. I don't know if I overcompensate for uh, for uh, for a shitty episode by coming in with the heat, with the fucking juice, but uh, yeah, I do not know where to go from here. Actually, as I'm saying that, I'm sort of embarrassed because I'm reminded of this time. <laughs> Actually, maybe this is a good story to tell. I remember one time being on a date where I literally said that to I literally said that to the person I was sitting across from. I said, "You know, I I, I don't really know what to talk about." And uh I hope they found it endearing, but I, I felt like a loser when I said it. But actually, I would say um I was about to say this was the worst date I've ever been on, but I I don't know that it actually was. But uh I do remember I was hanging in the social circle for a while and there was um, uh one of the girls that we were hanging out with who was like a friend of a friend that I you know, I was kind of attracted to. And I finally worked up the courage to ask them out. There was like this new restaurant that was opening up. And I said, oh, hey, have you heard of this new restaurant? I said, yeah. And I go, oh, we should go there. And she was like, oh, okay. So we kind of had this date planned. And uh, I remember all of the friends were kind of living together. I don't know how to word this, but there was basically this apartment complex and there was like two units. And there was one group of the girls were living downstairs and the girl that I was going out with was living upstairs with some other people. But they were basically living in the same complex. So uh, to get to her apartment, you kind of had to walk up these outdoor wooden stairs that went up to the up, up to her apartment door. And so I'm kind of wearing some nice clothes. I go to pick her up, and I'm like, it had just been raining earlier that day. And it's like I, I go up the stairs, I knock on the door, and her roommate, who I know, uh, opens the door, and I say, "Hey, I'm here to pick up so and so." He goes, "Oh, she's actually downstairs getting you know dolled up by uh, our mutual friend. She's do, doing her makeup downstairs." And I said, "Oh, okay, gotcha." And so I turn around and I go to take one step down these wooden stairs and because they're wet, I slip. And it was like, you know, I I think in another episode I was talking about, um, 
I forget what I had done, but it was like, oh, it was, this is when I texted my, my neighbor's wife, but it was like locking your keys in the car where you, for you, it happens in slow motion, even though anyone else seeing it would happen in real time. But it was like, I feel my feet go out from under me and they're literally, now they're in my plane of view, like they're in my, um, in my POV. I've literally, now I'm parallel with the ground and I'm literally thinking, well, this is happening. And I fucking just go do 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 do, and I slide down these wooden stairs, probably like thirty stairs, on my on my butt and on my side. And as it's happening, I'm thinking this is a fucking disaster. And when I get to the bottom of the stairs, it's like I'm I'm, I'm one of these people where it's like when I when I fall, I'm I'm so sufficiently embarrassed I can't I don't give myself time to feel pain. Like there's these people who fall inside of McDonald's and they start yelling and screaming about how they're going to sue and fuck this place. I have none of that. I'm so embarrassed when I fall. I don't care if I broke my leg or whatever. I would still limp out of the restaurant and pretend like I was okay. But I'm literally, I feel the entire side of my, of my pants are soaking wet. And it's like dirty wood, wet, rainy stairs, right? So I know that they're kind of like soiled ostensibly also but the entire backside inside of my pants are just fucking soaked so i go to the other apartment and i knock on the door and i just say you know this is kind of embarrassing but i literally just fell down your stairs and now now my pants are soaked and they had a good laugh at that and it's like as we're driving to dinner i'm thinking you know i really feel like i should go home and change but i don't i just kind of i don't know i felt dry by the time we got to the restaurant i think it was like you know i have like cloth I know this doesn't sound phenomenal, but I had like cloth interior on my truck. I think it kind of soaked up some of the dampness, but uh, we end up going to this restaurant and we had this dinner and uh, it just kind of sucked. I remember getting this fish and it was like, it was not deboned. So it was kind of a real pain in the ass to eat or whatever. And I just remember at some point in the dinner, just kind of sitting across from him and there was kind of a lull in the conversation. And I just, I felt really responsible for it. I think we've actually talked about this in other episodes, not this moment in particular, but Something about uh, not taking responsibility for silence, uh, not taking responsibility for the for the entire date, you know. Um, but uh, I was, I you know, I was really insecure and kind of uncomfortable about the date anyway. So that the, when there was this lull, when there was this lull in the conversation, I just went, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what to talk about." And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a very, uh, very uh, vulnerable kind of deflating moment in the conversation. I think I recovered well enough, but, uh, I do remember dropping her off at home and, uh, kind of giving her a hug goodbye. And, uh, it was only in hindsight later when I talked to her about it. Uh, I don't know how we got, I don't even know how we got onto the conversation. Um, I remember, uh, she was saying that it was weird that I didn't kiss her. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I had no sign I mean, it maybe just goes to show you that I just can't read fucking signals or whatever, but I was like, I had no sign in the world. Like, here I am, a wet-ass pants man uh, who can't carry a conversation over the course of dinner. You're telling me you wanted me to kiss you at the end of the date? Jesus Christ. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I guess what I'm saying is that's how I feel. So it's like, you guys are standing across from me asking me to kiss you, and I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. Yeah, man, dates are fucking crazy. I do remember one time, like years ago, I was just starting to date kind of seriously for the first time in my life. Like, I really didn't date a lot when I was younger. And I sort of chipped away at it in my early 20s, but I actually did most of my dating probably at the end of my 20s. Um, and, uh, 
And uh, yeah, I went on a date with this one girl one time. And it's just so funny when you go through these things. Of course, in hindsight, you look back and say, I don't know, you learn so much. But at the time, you just don't really, I don't know. Maybe guys, we just kind of have to figure it out or something. Or I think when you come to something and you feel like you don't have a lot of experience, you know, it's just kind of new. You can't really tr- trust your judgment about things. I remember one time going out on a couple dates with this one girl, and then I just kind of really sensed like I didn't really want to go out with her anymore. And I remember I didn't speak to her for a while. I think I had to go out of town for something. And I did that lie that I think a lot of people do, which is I said something like, you know what, I've been kind of talking with someone else, and I feel like we're at the point where you know, we were kind of being exclusive or something, you know, like it was just like, Hey, I'm dating, you're dating, but I've kind of met someone. So I think it's not appropriate for us to see each other anymore. And, uh, she totally flipped out. She sent me this crazy email response. It was kind of weird that it was over email now that I think about it, but she emailed me back and was like, you know, I don't need to hear about your dating game or something like that. And, uh, that was very bizarre for me as an, as a person who was new to dating, I remember even taking it into therapy and going, is this normal? And my therapist was like, uh, no. And I was like, whew. Or I think I was like, oh, did I do something wrong here? And the therapist was like, no. I think I've actually, I mean, I've thought about this in other ways, but I, I think I've thought about this instance too, which is there's a certain type of white lying we do to each other. That's not really malicious, but it's something we do to spare each other, to spare the feelings of each other. You know, and when you're going through it for the first time, oh God, I'm even thinking about some even more embarrassing things, but it's like when you're going through it for the first time, you don't navigate it very well, but in hindsight you go, oh, I should have just realized that situation for what it was and just left it the fuck alone and like let that person lie to me instead of like really scratching deeper and trying to get a bit like people do that all the time. Like, oh, I just want some more answers. It's like, no, you don't want answers, man. Just fucking take the lie that they're giving you. But I don't understand. Things were going so well. Hey, hey, don't fucking scratch the lottery ticket because you don't want to fucking hear what's under there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm emailing this girl saying, yeah, I'm seeing someone else, and it's not really, I don't know, I feel like we're getting kind of exclusive. Like, don't ask any follow-up questions. Don't go, oh, yeah, what's their name? How did you meet them? How long have you been, what's going on here? How long have you guys been going on? It's like, just just take the lie and fucking run with it because you don't want to hear the truth. Because if you keep pushing me, and I don't just mean me, if you push anyone, they're going to tell you the truth. And that's not what you want to fucking hear. Do you really want to fucking hear that they don't like your face, that they don't like the way your breath smells, that they think you're a terrible kisser? Do you really want them to tell you the truth about why they don't want to date you, why they want to keep their options open? Especially if they are lying about seeing someone else. First of all, if they are seeing someone else, they like that person better than you. Isn't that enough? Even if, it, even if it's not true, just go with that lie. Because it's better than the truth, which is they're probably dating no one else, but they'd rather fucking be alone than date your ass. Okay? So just fucking take the lie and fucking go with it. Um, yeah, I remember one time I was... Uh, dude, isn't it kind of funny? Like, I don't know if you're like me, but it's like sometimes you've had legitimate relationships or someone that you've dated for a substantial amount of time that when it ends you're really not that heartbroken over it. And then you have someone that you only date for a short amount of time or you go out on a couple dates with and you're kind of fucking broken up about it when it doesn't work out. Like I remember I went on two dates with this one girl and nothing really came of it. But for some reason, like I was kind of broken up about it for like six months, you know? And it really kind of like wounded my pride. And maybe it's a timing thing. I don't know. But it really kind of fucked me up for a little bit. 
you know? And there was one part where, <laughs> there was one part where, uh, you know, I asked her out a couple times after the first couple times we went out. And it was, it was never like she told me, like, it's never going to happen. But she was doing the kind of nice kind of thing. Oh, well, maybe now is not really a good time or whatever. And I was trying to, like, reason my way through that shit. Um, like, what did they, t- I forget what they tried to say, but I remember where I look back on that time and I think I should have just heard no and just fucked off and gone, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Well, talk to you later. But it was like I pursued the issue. I was like, well, you know, if you're not really seeing someone seriously, you know, I think we should continue to see each other because I feel like we had a really good time and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. You're just embarrassing yourself. And the worst part is you don't realize how sad you're coming across and how desperate you're coming across. Like, you think you're being reasonable and logical, but it's like, nah. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, dude, dating sucks. But when you've done enough of it on some, you know, you really do, when you've been on both sides of it, when you've done the, I don't know, the breaking up, is that the word for it? When you've done the, when you've done the white lying, when you've been white lied to, I think it's just a sign of experience. You just kind of get it. You know, you know how to take rejection. I mean, in some ways I felt this way with, even just with my recent job experience or with my uh, job interview experience. Um, you know, I think we all realize at some point that there are holes in our game. Like we just lack experience in certain areas. And on the one hand, you can be aware of that. And even as you're experiencing the disappointment, you go, look, if I just had a dozen other job interviews under my belt that went this way, you know, and I've had job interviews, but they've all been like fucking bullshit restaurant interviews, which are, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's not, it's not really an interview of consequence, right? When you've had like a, like a legit formal job interview, it's only when you've had a bunch of them that you understand the language or you understand the pacing or you understand I don't know, maybe there's a certain nonchalance that comes along with it, you know, that you just can only get with experience. I mean, in some ways, it's like performing, you know? It's like you can be very talented, you can have a good voice, but if you're new to performing itself, you're just going to be green in some areas. Like, if you make a mistake, it may shake you, you know? Whereas when you've when you've literally been on stage hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, you're so used to anything that could happen, it's just not really going to phase you. You're going to forget a lyric, it's not going to fucking matter. Uh, you're going to... I don't know, uh, squawk into the microphone because your voice cracks. It's just not going to fucking bother you. You've gone through it so many times. It just doesn't mean anything. I feel like dating is the same way. When you're first starting to do it, or a job interviewing also, but when you're first starting to do it, you're so um, uh, hyper-conscious of yourself that, uh, I don't know, every lull in the conversation, every hiccup, you're just so hyper-attuned to it. You, you take so much responsibility for it. Do you know what I mean? It means too much. It's only when you've done it like two dozen times or something like that that you just kind of go, fuck it. So anyway, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying except, um, yeah, I don't know. I felt raw after the last job interview and I I think it's because I didn't have a lot of experience with it. Anyway. Literally, uh, the reason uh, my I feel my mind started disappearing because even as I was talking, I was I had a conversation with my brother where uh, he was kind of uh, giving me shit on the last episode. I was saying that outdoor recreational gear is very expensive, and he was like, "Bro, I don't think you understand how much goes into this fucking the construction of this stuff, man. Of course, it's expensive. These seams are waterproof or whatever the fuck it is." And I was like, "No, no, no, I get it, but still, I'm just saying it's a very privileged enterprise to enter into." 
shit's fucking expensive. And also, I have to say, though, I have to say, though, now, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And by, maybe I should preface more of what I say with that statement. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But I also can't excuse the fucking lawn furniture. Like, when we, we rented these fold-out chairs that are cheap as shit, and they were like $5 a day, which is still pretty expensive. But it's like, if you want to buy one of these things, they're at least $70. And you're just like, what the fuck? That's crazy. This thing's not worth $70. Is it? Fuck no, man. Gosh, I don't know, folks. I was so happy to have dating to talk about. Now I'm at the end of that conversation. And I'm like, I don't fucking know where we're going. I don't tell you, I don't know what to talk about. There's a part of me that wants to click into my... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? My Google Docs or something and see if I have any notes for myself for the week, but I know there's fucking nothing there. Let's see, though. Do I have anything to talk about? I literally have a Google Doc that says podcast ideas. There's shit in here I don't even fucking understand. Like, one of them says, life and the lottery, colon, social order equals, quotes, spoils to the victor, end quote. I don't know what the fuck that means. I also have a note here that says neutered males. That's salacious. I kind of know what that means. I don't know. We can try to get into that. Can we try to force a topic on ourselves? Neutered males? Um, I don't know. Maybe I can try to weave it into dating, which is, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, I didn't really date when I was younger because I think a lot of guys are this way. I was just, I don't want to say I was, uh, a neutered male because I was still a kid technically, but I, it's something I even notice in adults, which, but it, but it's supposed to be something that you figure out when you're younger, which is, I think when you're kind of a sensitive introverted kind of guy, you kind of have a hard, you have a hard time tapping into your, your sexuality. Honestly, you have a hard time tapping into this idea that you are, uh, a sexual being. Do you know what I mean? Because I think in some ways, because you're thoughtful, because you're sensitive, you know, you're not like a lot of guys and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to generalize too much and I don't want to sound like I'm bashing dudes, but I don't think it's a secret that many young men are pretty unsophisticated when it comes to their, uh, romantic desires or whatever. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty single-minded. And for people who tend to be a little more sophisticated and I realize I'm biased, but, um, you tend to sort of see yourself as being different from other young men. So part of that differentiation or whatever is you just, I don't know, you can't be the type of guy who's sort of assertive, who knows what he wants, who's sort of confident when it comes to uh, to females. And so you kind of become the friend, right? And I think everybody goes through something like this. But I think if you're um, like I was when I was growing up, you just don't know how to, how to assert yourself. You don't know how to ask people out. You don't know how to open with romantic interest it's like you be you try to be nice you try to be a friend first and it's like you never learn how to convert things into being romantic and the only reason i call this be the neutered men is i see this in my adult life also like for me it was like in my early 20s i realized very consciously okay this is starting to enter into a point where i'm not developing fully like there i'm not dating there are aspects of my life i'm literally not entering into because i'm not able to reconcile this I'm not able to like assert myself. It's like when I see these incels or whatever, and I don't know too much about it, honestly, 
But it's like when you hear young men, especially who talk about women don't approach them and they don't do this and they don't do that. And you literally realize, oh, these guys are doing it to themselves. They've literally isolated themselves into this corner because they literally, and probably for, you know, something the therapist can figure this out, but they literally can't bridge that. They can't cross that bridge where they assert themselves. Like most of the people who are in this position have never asked anyone out. I don't know if it's because they've watched too many movies and they're waiting for the the meet cute where they bump into the right person and they fall into a relationship, which never happens. But they're literally standing on the cusp of challenging themselves to assert themselves romantically. And by the way, get rejected and keep going. Um, And uh, they're not able to do that. But it was like in my early 20s, I realized, oh, I have to kind of force myself to... uh, to just start approaching people romantically and just being honest and just like asking people out and getting shot done and feeling rejected and just keep going. Um, and I think, I think the reason that's especially hard for a certain type of person is because we are sensitive. Um, if all you're looking to do is get laid, you can get shot down and it, and it doesn't matter because it's not, a, it's not that person that you're interested in. Oh shit. Ooh, this is a good connection. For some people, and I think I'm one of them, it's not just about getting laid. Like, usually you approach people because you're interested in them. And it doesn't always mean that you're well calibrated. The person could be awful for you. I just mean that when you're approaching them, you happen to be interested in them. You happen to care what that person thinks about you. If it's just about getting laid, or it could be anybody, in some ways, you're almost better suited if what we're talking about is asserting yourself, getting rejected, and continuing in the face of the adversity. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I think for someone like me, because I'm so sensitive, I was all, I was only approaching people I was genuinely interested in. So if I was ever rebuffed or if I was ever rejected, that was like a really wounding experience. And it took time to sort of put yourself back out there. Um, but, uh, yes, I guess I'm a lot, well, I was going to say alarmed, but, uh, it could be one of those things where, you know, we say the things that bother us the most about other people are the things that bother us the most about ourselves. There is, I feel especially sad when I see dudes who never get over that hump. I mean, in some ways, it's not even too distant from the, when I see creative people or people who fashion themselves to be creative people who never complete a song or never, you know, never, uh, you know, they never make it to the open mic night. They never finish a song. They never write their short story. They never push themselves. It's like, as someone who, on the one hand, feels like they understand that fear and that, um, I don't know that paralysis very intimately because I've been there, but has also done the work to like push themselves out of it. I'm both very judgmental of those people, but also very sympathetic. And as a dude who was like pretty shy and introverted and had trouble asserting themselves. I mean, I bet if you looked back on people from a certain time in my life and they thought about me, they'd probably considered me, I don't know, very introverted, very shy, I mean, I remember my friend Kate one time telling me, she said something like, oh, there's like a, 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 I don't know if she worded it this way or if I inferred this, but it was something like, there's a, she described me as untouchable. And I think I've since conceptualized that as like, some people go through life, and I experienced this as I started dating and as I started gaining confidence. I think we all have like an invisible sign over our head that either says open for business or closed for business. And it's not really something that you can fake. It's something that you exude whether you like it or not. And I think there was a time in my life where the sign above my head said closed for business. And it was like, you can enter into a zone though. And I mean, I've talked about this period of my life 
in my late 20s where I literally was just going out and talking to people all the time, just becoming a social being. And it's like when you enter into that chapter of your life, when, you, when you're sort of open for business, as they say, that's something that other people pick up on. And it's not something you can fake. You can't fucking read a book like The Game or learn how to pick up chicks and just show up at a bar and think you exude this vibe. It's something you literally have to get from like just being a social person. And um, yeah, I think there are times in my life where people would probably describe me as just having a clothes sign over my head and also just being kind of fucking clueless. You know what I mean? Like there was so much of my life, and I think a lot of us are this way, but I think for me it really extended into my young adulthood in a way it probably didn't need to, where I was really just fucking clueless. I didn't know how to connect with people. Um, I would say both, both personally and romantically, but it was like I just didn't know. I don't know. I, I think in some ways it can make you endearing to some people because you're kind of a, I don't know, you're kind of a good person, but, um, but uh, you're also clueless in a lot of other ways. And I think... I think the whole thing I'm getting back to is this idea of, you know, there's certain things that you want to be able to do that you would value that you just can't do without experience. I think, yeah, I think asking people out on dates, I think dating itself is a skill set that you have to develop and it's not something you can really fake. It's something you just have to gain with experience. But I think job interviews are the same way. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm ping ponging around, but I think the point is, since this last job interview, I was really kind of sitting with this, fuck, man, I, I, I've now noticed a, a hole in my game or in my skill set that I'm going to have to cultivate that I, that I really didn't want to. You know, I felt like I was, you know, pretty accomplished in other areas, and I wish that weighed more heavily on the job, uh, on, the, uh, on the hiring decision. But unfortunately, uh, this gap in my skill set, which is interviewing, is so egregious that I wasn't able to compensate for it. And... Um, the, you know, standing in front of the prospect of having to return to my life as normal without getting the job, returning to the same responsibilities, um, and having to cultivate this skill if I was going to change my situation was not something I was looking forward to. <clears throat> but uh, thankfully, another opportunity cropped up. But uh, but yeah, you know. But the uh, the point still stands. You know, uh, there's gonna there's gonna be a time where I'm gonna have to do some serious job interviewing, and uh, if I'm gonna do well, I think that's a a skill I really have to work on. <sighs> but yeah, did I make my point about neutered men? No, I didn't. Um, you know, there's people who who don't make that leap though. You know, and I don't know. I, I think it's something particular to men, especially. I think part of it is socialization, right? Um, you certainly have lonely women. That's absolutely true. But because our, you know, like it or not, maybe this is the patriarchy, maybe it's just the way people are wired, I don't know, maybe it's just our, our, our culture as an extension of our biology, but, you know, the, the, um, uh, the impetus, or the onus, or whatever you want to call it, on men, is on men to uh, assert themselves, and women get asked out more often than not. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen any other way, but for the most part, women can anticipate being asked out and men are expected to uh to do the asking out and some people think that's fucked up some people think it's fine i actually look i'm not saying it's fun but uh, given that that's the way our society is structured if you do happen to develop that skill set you're going to be um, it's kind of a gift in some ways it's not fun that process is not fun but if you do develop the skill set well fuck you develop the skill set you have a skill you wouldn't have otherwise you're able to assert yourself you're able to be confident you're able to approach people um hell maybe even the best part about that is that you're able to absorb rejection 
Um, like, what do they say? You don't learn anything from your successes. I mean, you get to read the benefits, but you don't learn anything. And so even all those rejections, you know, that's an opportunity to forge a part of yourself that you wouldn't have forged otherwise. But, uh, excuse me, there's a certain type of, there's a certain type of neutered male who just, they, it's like they can't reconcile themselves. And I, I think the reason this is interesting to me and probably the way, the reason I wrote it up is because it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is, again, we're speaking in broad strokes here, but I think a lot of the reason I wasn't connecting with people romantically at that time is because I wasn't presenting myself in, in an almost emotional is one word for it, but maybe even sexual is the other one in a sexually honest way, which is from the perspective of the sensitive person, it's easy to demonize. Did I say that right? From the perspective of the sensitive or emotional person, it's easy to almost take this sort of puritanical approach to sexuality, which is because you can point to so many examples of dudes who are over-sexualized and are almost predatory in their sexual um, pursuits, it's easy to decide, oh, I'm just going to do the opposite. Because I want to be the opposite, I'm going to do the opposite. And so you sort of neuter yourself, you desexualize yourself. But the problem with that is that you're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And so part of, I think, being a normal socialized person is sort of coming to terms with your sexuality, right? And approaching people in a very, I don't know, romantically honest way. And, you know, I think, you know, we have this idea of the friend zone because there's, it just, it just doesn't work that way. You just can't become friends with someone and easily transition into a romantic relationship. You have to open that way. You kind of have to set the terms of the relationship from the beginning. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, but for some reason, because it's vulnerable for a certain type of person to do, because it does feel, um, yeah, I don't know. I was looking for a better word than vulnerable, but maybe there isn't, there isn't one. Um, because it is vulnerable. Um, yeah, a lot of people can't do it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you folks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. Um, don't neuter yourself, you know, I'm not saying be a, don't, uh, don't, uh, walk up to someone and say, hey, hey, nice boots, you want to fuck? But you also have to be honest with, uh, with who you are. So I don't know, man. I feel like I've talked about this thing a lot and yet I don't know what the fuck I'm driving at. Don't neuter yourself. Don't be a neutered male. Oh man. Yeah, there's all isn't there something especially sad about the whole incel thing, right? It's the it's the both neutered male but the angry neutered male. It's like someone who is angry about the situation they're in and they're not able to recognize that they're the ones who are responsible for it. Yeah. what? There's something especially sad about that, isn't there? I think the weird part, too, is, is when you see some of these incel videos. There was one that was profiled recently and it was one of these guys who was like, you know, women don't give me the type of day. And it's like, first of all, bro, you're profoundly creepy and you have no idea how creepy how creepy you are coming across. But also you just say objectively, dude, you're a handsome guy. Like if you just weren't so profoundly creepy in your personality, you would have absolutely no problem meeting someone. I also think that's something with age too. I mean, I look back and I think for most of my life, I've, well, I think I've always been profoundly insecure about how I look. 
I think that's true for a lot of us, but especially when I look back on when I was younger, at the times I felt the ugliest in my life. I look back on those, I look back on that time and I see photos of my th- myself and I'm not saying I see a GQ model, but I go, hey, you know, you were pretty good looking. You were a decent looking kid, you know? There were plenty of people who were, would have been interested in you romantically and there probably were plenty of people who were interested in me romantically, but it was like I didn't see them. You know, that closed for business sign, that, that, that is apparent to everybody else, but it's also apparent in how you see yourself. You know, when you enter into different areas of your life, like when you have that open for business sign on, literally the, um, the relief of your life changes. Like you, it's like you literally dial into a different spectrum of the world and you see people in a way you just never experience them otherwise. I mean, part of that, um, you know, I was describing the situation, the, the white lies that we tell each other. It's like we hear them. It's almost like you can go through periods of your life where you have that translator earbud in, where it's like you're at the, at the uh, United Nations and someone's speaking a foreign language, but you have that earbud in when you can hear what they're actually saying or what, you have that translator earbud. Sometimes we go through our life and we just hear gibberish, you know? But once we're dialed into the frequency, we kind of hear the fucking truth, you know? We hear the language uh, behind the language. Um, but, uh, dude, what the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> I don't know, man. Why the fuck do you guys listen to this podcast? Oh, Jesus Christ, man. I had someone tell me, someone told me recently they were like on a road trip, or I, I forget what it was, but they were like, oh, they just, they just uh, busted out a whole bunch of these, uh, of this podcast. They just sort of marathon a whole bunch of them. And as I'm sitting here talking, I'm thinking, really? People listen to this shit? What the fuck? Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, I hope you, uh, I don't know. I hope people hear this and hear some of their own experience, because otherwise it'd be pretty fucking embarrassing. I'm just over here talking about my lackluster dating experience and my my, uh, exodus out of neutered maildom or maleness, whatever the word is. Life's crazy, man. Yep. Well, I don't know, folks. I better come up with something quick, or maybe I might give myself permission to make this a super short episode. We're about 46 minutes into the podcast, 45 minutes into the podcast, something like that. We better come up with 15 minutes of content quick or I'm fucking out of here, man. I will say I've been watching the show. uh, I don't know. Not that it's new, but I've started watching Nurse Jackie on Netflix. It's with Edie Falco. She played uh, uh, the wife in The Sopranos, Carmela Soprano. Man, it's a really good show. Edie Falco is such a great actress. She plays this nurse who's like really fucking good at her job. You know, she's not afraid to cut corners to like do good work in the hospital where she's a nurse, but she happens to have a Vicodin addiction or like painkiller addiction or whatever it is. So she has to do a lot of bad things, but she's a genuinely good person overall. And uh, it's just sort of this interesting anti-hero story where she definitely hate the things that she does, but she's a, she's a good person. I've, I've been watching these uh, YouTube videos of this dude, Larry Lawton. For all I know, you, we're all watching the same shit, so you guys have probably seen this stuff as well. But Larry Lawton is this guy on YouTube who served a bunch of time in, I think he served like 12 years or 18 years in prison or some shit like that. He was a former, former jewel thief, but he has this whole series on YouTube where he tells his story. 
he had written this book about his time and his whole story about getting caught, being a jewel thief, going to jail, getting reformed and all that sort of shit. So he has this series on YouTube where apparently it parallels the book that he wrote. So each chapter he sort of extemporizes and tells the story. He doesn't read from the book necessarily, but apparently the story that he tells parallels the same story as the book. But it's like, I don't know, it's like 20 videos on YouTube. They're all like 30 minutes long each or whatever. But I was watching a bunch of that uh, of his videos, and it's not that not that it's his saying. He probably got it from somewhere else, also. But one thing he comes back to over and over again is, excuse me, he doesn't believe in bad people; he believes in bad choices. And that's something that I really think applies uh, to this show, Nurse Jackie. You know, you're really rooting for Edie Falco's character because you know she's a good person. You see her do plenty of good things all the time. But it's like if she ever gets caught. You know, if she ever gets caught sort of like kiping this medicine or, um, you know, she takes a lot of risks. And I don't know what happens with the show, but it's like, if anything bad does happen, you'd have to think, anyone reading her story, oh, here's a nurse who's addicted to pills and compromised this one person or put that person in, in danger, you'd think it was an awful person. When you actually see what their life is like, you think, holy shit, man. Here was an otherwise good person who just made a bad choice. Anyway, I think that's Larry Lawton's um, point. <sighs> yeah. Otherwise, what to say, huh? Your boy's going camping again soon. We already re- reserved another campsite, so in a couple weeks here, we're gonna we're gonna be back out there. And. uh... Yeah, what else is going on? Um, I don't know. Should we have a guest on the podcast? This I would like some feedback on, honestly. I literally just walked to the corner store. I was doing some training and I had some time and I was like, oh man, I got to do, I got to record a podcast. But I, I went up to the store to get something to drink. And I was like, you know what? We're about to hit 50 episodes and I'm kind of proud that it's just been me. I was talking to my other friend who just coincidentally said, hey, man, I'm about to hit episode 49 on my podcast. And I was like, holy shit, man, I got to record episode 49 myself. And he was really impressed that I go for an hour. Um, Frankly, as you can see, when we struggle, it's like maybe these fucking, maybe this should be a fucking half hour podcast. We get a lot tighter content. But um, but, uh, what the fuck am I talking about? Um, Yes, I think I'm just trying to say I, I like that it's been an hour. I'm glad that it's a goal I set for myself every week. I'm glad, you know, not that they're all fucking home runs and that they're all great, but look, I set aside an hour to talk. We talk about whatever comes up, and that's the fucking episode. But um, I don't know. Can that go on indefinitely? It it could as an exercise. It could as a, uh, as a sort of uh, spiritual practice of sorts, right, like meditation, you sit down for 20 minutes of silence every day and some days are you're really dialed in and some days you just fucking can't wait to end the entire time, but that's the practice. So we certainly could continue doing this hour long stream of consciousness in, in perpetuity, I guess. But would you like guests? Would you like me to have Matt, our MVP on? Would you like to hear his voice? Would you like to hear what he has to say? Would you like me to have my brother on the podcast? Would you like to talk to him and hear what he has to say about me and some of the stuff I've been talking about? What other guests would be interesting? Would it be nice to have musical guests on the podcast? You know, we've talked about people like Disaster Peace. Would you like Would you like for me to ask Rich to be on the show? Or my buddy Field Medic? I thought about him. Maybe he'd be a good 
good uh my buddy kevin maybe he 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 would be a good guest guest on the podcast what would you like to hear i mean one thing i really want to do is do the uh the video podcast element i'd love to make this a video podcast at some point i don't know is it time to do that should we do that after episode 50 or should we wait till 100 i don't know these are the things i think about in the shower what would you like what would you like for the show to be should it stay audio or should we go fucking video? And if video, what are we going to do? Would it really matter? Or would it just be a way to tap would it just be a way to tap into a new audience? I thought about that. You know, 50 episodes is not a few. That's quite a bit. And uh we could certainly do 50 more and things could continue the way they've been doing, but maybe it's time to try something different. Maybe it's time to do the video podcast. And of course, we'll still release the audio. I mean, it'll still sound the same. It'll still be the same thing, but maybe it's time to try something new. I'll tell you what. Let me know what you think about this. Maybe what I'll do is I'll record the next dozen as a video podcast, and I'll release the audio, and I won't release the video necessarily. But uh, maybe I'll review that way. I'll make that sort of... In the same way, when I first started this podcast, I recorded, you know, two dozen of these before I even released any of them. I mean, if you go back and listen to episode zero, I haven't even... The podcast doesn't... It's not even a podcast at that point. I think I still say you know, whatever, something of whatever this is, or I'm not even sure what I'm doing, but I'm just recording episodes. Maybe I should start doing that with the video podcast. You know, do a couple of those, and then maybe by episode 100, I'll feel confident about starting to release some of the videos. Also, maybe it'll give me a chance to work out. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm a little self-conscious about how I'm looking these days. (sighs) I feel like I'm in full-blown shelter-in-place mode right now i'm also getting older man i think there's there's two things happening at once i'm getting older and uh you know when you get older you start catching sight of yourself in the mirror and you think man i look tired and then you just go nope that's just your face now (laughs) and you're like oh okay that's just what i look like from now on i just look like a tired version of myself in perpetuity oh man well at least i'm not a, a neutered male I can look tired as long as I'm not neutered. Yeah. Five minutes, folks. Dude, have you guys ever seen that video of Bill Burr where he's on stage in, I think it's like Philadelphia, and he's having like, I, I mean, I mean, when you hear it, it sounds fucking awesome, but technically he's having a horrible set, like nobody's laughing at him, they're booing at him, and he doesn't fucking get off stage. He just, I, I, I don't know, I forget what the time is, but I think it's like 12 minutes where he's like, I got 12 more motherfucking minutes, fuck you guys, I'm staying up here. And he keeps talking shit at people, and at the end of every point he makes, he's like, 10 minutes, go fuck yourself, I'm staying up here. That's how I feel. I'm like, five minutes, motherfuckers, I don't give a fuck if we got nothing to talk about, I'm gonna fucking stay up here and you're gonna deal with it. You know why? Because you like this fucking podcast, that's why. I could just sit here and pop fucking bubble wrap for the next six minutes and you people will fucking love it because you love this podcast because you're fucking ride or die with this podcast. You don't care if I don't have anything to talk about. You're just going to sit with me and fucking support the cause, man. That's what you're here for. Till episode 100. Do or die. Dude, this is like some PETA shit. Dude, we are fucking, we are handcuffing ourselves to the fucking bulldozers, man. 
This is no dapple shit right here, dude. We are fucking making camp and we are fucking fighting the fucking man, dude. That's what we're doing. We're standing for a fucking cause. That's what this podcast, this ain't a podcast, it's a fucking cause, man. And you're either down with us or you're not. You're either with us or against us, man. Neutered males, fuck off. This is no place for you. Incels and neutered males, go fuck yourself. This is fucking for Lotharios and Don Juans only, dude. That's what this podcast is for. And that's not even men. That's anybody. That's male, female, whatever. You can be a Don Juan and a Lothario no matter what you are. No matter how you identify. That's how we fucking roll, dude. This is a podcast for the fucking Don Juans and Lotharios, dude. Everyone else can go fuck themselves. Courage, baby. That's what we're all about. <clears throat> Creative courage, man. I'm over here looking. I told I told everyone I bought this synthesizer. That was a complete complete waste of fucking money. It was like an emotional purchase for me. I got it over here in the box. I haven't fucking touched it. I've used it for like three hours and put it in the box, and that's it. I'm fucking, I'm gonna sell it at some point probably. I'm thinking about it because our our MVP Matt called me the other day and he was like, "Hey man, I got you. Have to talk me out of making this fucking purchase." He and I always talk about, you know, when you're a musician, you think gear is going to save you. You make some purchase because you think it's going to solve some creative problem in your life. And it never fucking does. You're like me. You spend $400 or whatever on this fucking synthesizer that you never fucking use. And it's just your life is normal. You know, I literally almost spent $200 on Logic, the Apple software Logic, the production software Logic. I'm so fucking glad I didn't. That would have been a whole nother fucking set of problems in my life. And there's power, dude, there's power from stopping yourself from doing that shit, man. And uh, our MVP, Matt, I think he called me for a fucking pep talk. He was like, man, I was looking at my gear and all of a sudden I went in this tailspin where I was like, oh, I got to upgrade my computer. I got to buy a new audio interface. I got to get a new MIDI controller. I got to get all this new software. It's like, if you let yourself do that, you'll look up when you'll have spent $1,500 on shit you're not going to use, man. I had to talk him down. I had to crisis counsel him away from buying all that fucking music gear, man. But I've been laughing about that since, dude, because I catch myself doing that stuff all the time. I literally was like looking at music software stuff and I was like, oh, you need you need a, a Mac OS 10 10.14 to run Logic. Oh, shit, I'm only running 10.13. So I started upgrading my shit. And literally as I'm like at the checkout page on the Apple uh, on the app store to buy Logic, I went, no, dude, wait, hold on. You don't want this shit. You're going to download this. And, and then what? How much time are you going to spend learning a new piece of software? Go fuck yourself, man. Just go back to your fucking life. I mean, I've said this with the podcast. You know, I it would be nice, actually, if upgrading recently fucking takes care of this issue. But normally when you hear this episode, there's fucking scratching, right? At some point in the hour, my voice goes... You fucking know if you're a listener to this podcast. I assume it's something with the audio interface. Your boy could fix it. Your boy's got two nickels to rub together. If you wanted to, he could buy a new audio interface, but he doesn't. I'm trying to do this shit with what I have. <sighs> anyway, you should do the same thing. I know we always come back to the same shit, but I'll be honest with you, folks. I'm seeing the timestamp creep up on an hour here. I'm just trying to cross the fuck finish line and get us to the end of the goddamn podcast, okay? So, yes, I'm reaching for some warmed over shit that I always talk about, but what are you going to do? It's free. I try to do my best, but at the end of the day, this shit's free, folks. You're going to get what you're going to get. So let's do that. Let's start wrapping up, man. 
what do I want to say? At some point, I told myself I was going to go all in on one podcasting platform, but I don't fucking know what it is. I feel like it should be Apple Podcasts, but I don't know. I feel like with Joe Rogan switched to Spotify, that may be the new shit, man. Like, maybe I should be ahead of the curve and just pushing Spotify. Um, maybe Apple Podcasts is overcrowded. Maybe I should try to fucking just capitalize on Spotify Podcasts for the time being. But until then, it doesn't really fucking matter. You listen wherever you want. But hopefully, it's either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those are the two most popular platforms. So if you haven't already, subscribe there. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And do this, though. Definitely write, rate and review the show. If you're already a fan of the show, give us five stars, man. I don't care if you really think we deserve it or not. Just fucking do it. And type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why other people should like it also. That really changes people's minds. When people are browsing around looking for a new show, if they read a couple good reviews, that fucking means something. You could fucking push this cause forward, man. I want you to write a review and the subject should be fuck off neutered males. This shit ain't for you. And write a review about how we're fucking Lotharios and Don Juans up in this motherfucker. No matter how we identify, the people who listen to this fucking podcast are Don Juans and Lotharios. And if that's fucking you, come join the goddamn cause. But if not, fuck off for life. You will never, you will never be into this fucking cult. Do you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, think of one person in your life who would like this podcast and share your favorite episode with them. And uh, look, we're about to hit fucking 50, man. How fucking cool is that? We're about to hit episode 50. So, dude, this time next week, holy shit, man. We're going to be halfway to our goal of 100. That's a big thing. Let's try to take a moment and appreciate that, folks. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll bring the heat net. Uh, hopefully we'll bring the heat next week. Until then, if you're in the California area, I want you to take care of yourself. Uh, stay inside, watch Netflix, watch Nurse, Nurse Jackie. Give yourself permission to start a new show. If you're starting school, good luck. Hope you got your pencil sharpened. And uh, otherwise, uh, not much else to say here. So there. Yeah, let's fucking, what do you call it? What do, what do you say when something's done cooking? Let's stick a fork in it? I don't fucking know. Anyway, that's the end of this episode, folks. We'll be back with episode 50 next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And ch-ch-ch-ch-chow for now.